I was quite struck just as um, the recorder in front of me was being switched on um, by the, um, somehow it occurred to me, the um, sense of the ancient transmission of the Dharma. Um, now we have recorders and so on to, um, to help and support that transmission, but in ancient times people would memorize teachings or they'd write them down laboriously on palm leaves, translate them, walk over mountains to get the teachings, endure all sorts of difficulties to, uh, to pick up a little bit of teaching and then hold that in a very precious way and practice it. And now we have so much ease and facility in accessing these teachings. So it feels some, there's somehow, just as I was contemplating that, seeing that thing switched on there in front of me, <clears throat> I just felt this sense of um, what an honor it is somehow to be part of this whole, not only as holding the Dharma seat tonight, but also for all of us as practitioners, somehow we're in this flow of transmission of Dharma. Um, through different time and space and different kinds of geography, different situations and different dynamics within the world, all different kinds of situations that the Buddha taught in when uh, crisis or famine or difficulty, um, also when there was great support and um, benevolence, and in the same ways we can find ourselves in so many different worlds and situations, but what is a very common theme, and I was also contemplating that sitting here tonight because um, it's been an adjustment coming back into Gaia House. I was realizing that it's nearly 20 years ago that Kitty Sarah and I first started to teach here, which is a long time ago, but the world and we feel very different at least I do, and I've been all day trying to land here. <laughs> and I'm sure you have too, from your different worlds and wherever you've come from. Um, I've been in America a lot the last four years, and everything's a lot bigger there. <laughs> and I realized today, it took me, I don't know why it took me quite a few days since I've been in the UK, to realize I was struggling with something, and I think it was, I was struggling to shrink. <laughs> in this sort of like tiny, smaller, smaller spaces, you know, these little country lanes and, you know, like moving, the, the personal space is smaller. And it was just a very different kind of spatial reality. And there, there's this sense of like, you know, big spaces and stretching out into those spaces. And just this sort of flow of different images of trans, trans, transiting through different cultures and countries and dharma scenes and teachings and perspectives, politics, geographies, weather patterns, <laughs> that there's this constant, you know, I, th- I was thinking, God, you know, this as a human being, we, we're constantly in these transitions. And it's not easy in a certain way. It's not easy to find ground and that how much, for me, the the, the ongoing... You know, these chants that we were doing tonight have been a part of my life now for many, many years. And the practice of the Dharma 
which I, I sort of often really feel I'm not that good at, but I'm still doing it, <laughs> has been such a, such a profound refuge and support in my life. And so I feel, you know, you know, feel a lot of gratitude for that um, and feel, you know, that you know, really makes me feel what we're doing here, uh, however we feel we're doing, but what we're doing here collectively is, has a great importance and great significance in that it contributes to this turning of the Dharma wheel. It's a very precious thing in this world where there is so much confusion and conflict and suffering and craziness and increasingly um, we live in times of great intensity where we don't even know, you know, about the survival of, uh, definitely the survival of many species, but we don't even know about our own survival or survival of many ecosystems that are under threat. So it's a very intense time. It's a very uh, strange time to, to be here, but it's also a very time of great potential and a time that we can really ground ourselves in this practice and use it to help stabilize and support um, our deeper awakening, not only for ourselves, but for each other, for our communities, for the world around us. So, um, however our day has been today, arriving here, I hope that each of us can really uh, value what we're doing in this silent space together. However, sometimes I think it's a bit strange <laughs> coming in 50 people from all over and sitting in this silence and not connecting very much. But somehow underneath that there is a connection. There's this connection of being here with the same breath, with the same focus, with the same awareness, um, supported by this ancient stream of the Dharma. It's very ancient. It's even pre the Buddha. The Dharma's always there. You know, the Buddha was the one that pointed the way, showed us the way, one of many, you know, one that was incredibly effective. The teaching is still resonating, but beyond that, the Dharma is, is profound, it's timeless, it's ancient, it's ever-present, and it supports us. It's a river within which we can, we can be carried. So however we've been today and however we feel um, about ourselves, our body, our minds, our hearts, whatever feelings we've been with or whatever process we've been in, the beauty of this practice is, and the relief of this practice is it's not about putting ourselves into some kind of shape that we think we should be in, or putting ourselves into some kind of idealized state that we have some sense about or have read about, but actually it's really about receiving how we are, however we are, moment by moment, and coming into relationship with how we are. So in some ways this practice is very simple, in some ways it's challenging, because perhaps it's not so easy for us to really be with how we are, truly how we are. You know, we have so many patterns of where we, we move away from the experience of what we're feeling, how our body is, what our experience is, and some of the shadows within our experience, things we don't perhaps want to be with or are not so comfortable to be with or bodies that are, that are not comfortable to be with. And perhaps even underneath that, there's a, there can be a lot of or subtle judgment about how we are. We're not quite how we should be somehow. 
So in this practice, it's a constant alignment again and again to come into relationship, not only with how we are, how I am, how you are, but how the situation is, how the world is, how this experience is. And how it is, we often have a reaction to. And so um, we might find, as we come into this form together, into this practice together, into this retreat, there'll be different responses, reactions, experiences. Some some sense of... uh, not feeling comfortable maybe as we adjust to, for for me, a smaller space. (laughs) For you it might be adjusting to sharing a room or adjusting to sharing this space with so many others. Adjusting to a schedule. Adjusting to leaving the familiarity of the comfort of our homes. You know, so there's bound to be some, some sort of responses to that. Resistances or sleepiness or distraction or you know, or maybe there's a sense of relief of being able to just unplug from everything for a while and put things down and just allow the retreat to carry us. We might feel some relief or some aversion or some irritation, but whatever our experience is, this is what we can be with. It doesn't have to be a particular way. There's no right way for us to be according to some book. We, we, we uh, work with how we are. We accept and learn in this practice to receive again and again how we are and then work from there. So this is just being able to, to do that is, uh, is, is compassionate, actually. You know, this, this compassion begins here with how are we now? How is the body? How do we feel? What are we with? What have we been with today? And so if we can really rest in accepting and allowing how we are, how the world is around us, even if we don't like it or we don't approve, certainly there's lots of things I don't like or don't approve of, but in this moment we're, we're not contending, we're not fighting, we're not resisting, but we're just more and more resting into coming into relationship with our experience. We might call this a primary relationship. We often talk about being in relationship, but this is the practice of being in relationship with ourselves, with our body, with our breath, with our heart, our mind, with our being, with our feelings, with our reactions, the mind states. So this is the ground from which we work. Taking the time, taking the patience to receive, particularly receive the body, receive our experience, particularly if, as for many of us, we go through our life just overriding how we are to get to the next thing. Or to put ourselves in some sort of pretzel shape to deal with some, <laughs> some situation that we need to respond to. That's maybe where we're not totally authentic to our deeper needs. 
But we have to just do stuff to get by, duties and responsibilities, work. And it takes a, can take a toll. Like, like for me, just getting on planes and traveling and moving through different situations. You're just sitting here and realizing it, it has an impact. There's an impact, the speed of things sometimes. So as we start to come into relationship with how we are, we start to feel, one of the things we can begin to feel is that the body has a slower rhythm. A rhythm that we're often not in alignment with. The mind is very quick. So this, today we've been exploring and beginning to focus on this foundation practice that the, the Buddha taught. Kitty Sara laid out this morning of the training of what's called samadhi, or gathering, gathering within awareness of the energies of the body, mind and heart slower rhythms, coming into contact with this slower rhythm as a base for this cultivation of samadhi. Although, essentially, as Kisar also mentioned in the opening of the retreat and as the Buddha taught, the heart, the awakened heart is always present, luminous, imminent, immovable, aware, listening. This is our true nature, our original nature. Although that's always here and now, always present, always immediate. And although the teaching points to the recognition of this heart, the reality also is that this path is a gradual path. The Buddha taught a gradual awakening. The image which I'm sure you are familiar with of like going into the mist. Little by little you get drenched. You don't know what point you became suffused with the Dharma. Or as Ajahn Chah would say, you become the Dharma. You start off by learning about the Dharma, thinking about the Dharma, practicing the Dharma, walking the way of the Dharma and eventually you are, you are the Dharma. This is the way the path gradually unfolds. There's something about it that's organic. Not a just one massive act of will, but little by little, drop by drop, like that mist, there's a suffusion of the Dharma within one's life. This is this another way that the Buddha talked about it, is that the path the fruit of the path, the path activity in and of itself, the application in this gradual awakening, not only moments of tasting peace, but suffusing that awakening through our whole being and bringing it into our activity of our life. And Buddha said this awakening... uh, becomes about uh, as a result of moments of path activity... Moments of path activity obstruct, that break up that which obstructs our ability to really realize this immovable, timeless nature, Dharma nature. 
And that awakening, that path, that fruition of the path is, as is said, tamatang, which means it's according to the law of the Dharma. It unfolds in its own time, in its own way, its own nature. It has its own ripening, which we can't force, we can't manipulate, we can't demand. But we can actually quicken that ripening, and this is what we, we do when we start to practice the path, the path of awakening. Makahatikilesava, the path that breaks up that which obstructs. obstructs our clear seeing. So at the heart of this path activity is this practice of samadhi, meditation, gathering, focusing, being attentive, being present, inner listening, returning the mind back to its deeper nature, drawing the mind back from its running out, endlessly seeking, bringing it back into touch and taste, this deeper river of the Dharma, which is always present, always here, always inviting, always drawing us. But we don't see that because we are so caught in our patterns of distraction. So this word samadhi is is interesting. (coughs) If you break down the sum... means something like um, S-A-M, some means something like together. Samadhi, ah, the ah in the middle of the word has this sense of movement. And the D, D is connected with the word dharani, which means to hold, which is the word, another word for mantra. So it has this sense of moving towards, it has a movement within it towards a, a holding that has a togetherness that has this gatheredness, that holds together, or that gathers in, as uh, Kirisara was talking about, it gathers in these energies that are often disparate, the energy of the mental energy of the mind, thinking mind, moving here, moving there, wandering about, caught in the realms of proliferation, the energies of the heart, often the resonances of the heart that are affected by the feeling tones, the impact of what happens in our life. When we touch the heart, there are all sorts of different feeling tones. Often, again, we skip over that because it's not always easy to touch the heart. What we feel there, <laughs> the shadows and the impingements of the contact Within our, within, the, within our daily life, within our relationships, resonating really back into our early life, to our early experience. All of this is felt by the heart. So when we come into contact with the heart, sometimes there'll be all sorts of different feeling tones. It's important for us to gather that in as well. And then, of course, the body. <coughs> These are the three, what's called the three great streams of our energy. Mental energy, the jitta, the heart energy, the feeling energy, feeling tone, and then the bodily energies. All these are the energies that we gather into this samadhi, this awareness. 
this presence, or we infuse presence into these three streams of our energy. So in this training, step by step, step by step, you might, if we think about the whole path, it can be a bit overwhelming, but if we think of the path in terms of not going somewhere else in the future where there's going to be some perfection, but we think of it in terms of a deepening, a path that's actually deepening here rather than going there somewhere, then we can just realize in each moment this is a doable path. We practice moment by moment, little steps, little steps, drop by drop, and, and that, will, that will build, that will strengthen strengthen our support, strengthen our bases in the Dharma. So this, this step, when the Buddha talked about the cultivation, this cultivation of gathering of our energies, focusing, mindfulness, being present, he encouraged that we begin with this activity of what's called viveka, which is a very helpful skill to have not only in a meditation but in just negotiating our daily life. This is connected with the first jhana factor that Kittisara mentioned this morning, vitaka, viveka vitaka. They, they support each other. They mean, this, this word viveka means to withdraw. They talk about, in the suttas, they talk about kaya viveka, which means withdrawing the body, sometimes just taking the body to a quiet place, a gentle place, a healing place. Sometimes we, the body needs that. If we've been out in the fray, and then sometimes there's this really deep need to actually just take the body to nature, under the foot of a tree, as the Buddha is the archetype really for that, metaphor for that, to the hut. But this was a practice that the Buddha encouraged, just sometimes just take your body <laughs> to a quiet, gentle, calm place. That's already path activity. And then jitta viveka, taking the mind, withdrawing the mind, as it's said in the Satipatthana Sutta, the foundations of mindfulness, starting off this step-by-step approach, beginning with training to vitaka, using a thought, viveka, to withdraw the mind from its preoccupations, particularly the preoccupations that are connected with suffering. Where the mind is pulled into, as it says in the sutta, into grief and lamentation and despair about the world into longing and covetousness in regards to the world, into greed in regards to the world, into disappointment in regards to the world. When we start to think about the world, (laughs) this is often sometimes what we can experience. We can experience we haven't got enough of it yet, (laughs) or if we had enough of it, that it's disappointed us somehow or it's caused us grief, or it's caused us sorrow, or longing, or despair. 
So this is the pathways of the mind, isn't it, as it runs out and tries to seek a home and then touches into these places and then we find that the mind gets lost there, the mind suffers there. And so this training is, the mind's a bit like somehow the child. The awareness that we're gathering into is a bit like the mother. For a child, it, it wanders in these pathways and it, it gets burnt, it gets frazzled. And that the mind is within the body, the body is within the mind. And so if we feel that energetically in the body, this heaviness, sadness, being a bit frazzled. And so this samadhi, this gathering, using this first step that the Buddha taught, little by little, steps we can do, training, guiding, guiding with a simple thought like, how is it now? Or come to the present, or being with breath, withdrawing the mind from these preoccupations. You know, just, just... being allowing the world to be as it is for now, <laughs> allowing your relationships to be as they are for now, allowing things to be as they are, not having to fix everything, work it out, think it through. Because when we actually gather mental energy, bring it, bring the mind to the body. It helps to deepen this quality of presence. Then as the samadhi grows, as this gatheredness grows, then that kind of mind, if we turn that kind of mind that has some gatheredness, some strength, some presence, some clarity, which are the fruits of the samadhi, we turn that mind to the world. It's a very different experience. That mind has some strength. It has some power. It has some ability to see into the nature of actually what's going on, and to not, not to be overwhelmed, but to be able to surf the experience of life, to look into the experience of life, to inquire, to stay buoyant within the currents of the world, rather than being swashed down and pulled down into grief, sorrow, lamentation, and despair. So this practice of withdrawing the mind, this vitaka viveka, again and again, is a practice in some ways of some kind of trust, some kind of letting go, trusting we can let go enough of just what's, whatever we're worried about, concerned about, to come to the simplicity of in this in, as the as the teaching goes on, step by step, in the first foundation, the simplicity of being with breath. Being with breath within the body. (coughs) As we do this practice, another thing that Kitty Saro mentioned this morning in the introduction to this, this aspect of the path, the cultivation of samadhi, which is really important to remember, is that it is also supported by this ability to withstand the impingement, sensory impingement, the impingement of the world. 
that there's a, there's a strength, a building of strength in this practice, because often the mind can really be so reactive to uh, the impingement of how the world is, how we experience the world. And the world can be very, very fickle. One moment we can have be in love, and the next moment that friend can turn to an enemy. Next moment the enemy can turn to a friend. <laughs> One moment we can have a lot of abundance, and the next moment we can experience loss. One moment we can have a lot of success and be praised and be elevated, and the next moment we can be devastated and criticized. And this is just how the world is. It's very fickle. You know, and everyone is subjected to, to this, these effects. Even the Buddha, even the Christ, even the great saints would get sick and their body would get cancer or they'd, they'd get uh, betrayed or they'd get <coughs> undermined or criticized. So to be able to, uh, this training little by little, to not only withdraw the mind but to withstand, to be able to withstand. Sometimes we feel, I can't stand it any longer. And yes, if if there's too much intensity, we should learn skillful ways to support our well-being, to shift, to move, to, to draw on that which is wholesome, to bring more in this practice more compassion. We'll be exploring that as we go along in the retreat. That which can support support us, drawing on that from that which can support us. But there's also a part of the practice which is about having strength to withstand that which is not easy to, to be with. Sometimes a Buddha would talk about withstanding just the normal physical experience of discomforts within the body or cold or heat or sicknesses things that we we can't sometimes avoid if we can gain a little strength with us things that we we might feel we're intolerant of and we want to move away but then we realize we can tolerate then when larger things happen that we can't move away from we will have some strength to withstand, to withstand uh, criticism or ill-spoken words, as sometimes the Buddha talked about, without giving rise to anger, to withstand uncertainty without giving rise to fear and overwhelm, being lost. So these are, this is both helps support samadhi, but also the fruits of samadhi is, is that it helps us to withstand it gives us a deeper refuge. It helps us to stay steady because essentially it's a practice about being really, really present. When we're really, really present, it's, it's easier to withstand and to be here. It's usually when the mind goes, I can't stand this. <laughs> and it creates a sense of time, it's got to move, and we've got to fix it, and we've got to go somewhere, that then it gets real complicated. And then we start to lose a sense of that power of gatheredness, that strength of knowing our inner refuge. We have to run somewhere else. So in this practice, learning to withstand sensory impingement, 
And this is important because in a retreat center we want, we'd like it really quiet and still and calm, but it's not necessarily easy to con- completely control the situation. People might snore, people might move, people might irritate us. And so these are small things actually in the scheme of things. <laughs> the world can throw up much more difficult challenges for us. But if we can actually work with these and really explore, as Ajahn Chah would say, right now, where is the suffering in this experience? Is it in the experience or is it what we're doing with the experience? So all of this is really in part of the contemplation of withdrawing and settling and establishing presence here. Presence within the body, presence within the breath. Very simple, again and again and again. And then moving on as we begin to bring and train again and again, bringing our attention here. The Buddha said a very interesting thing. There's a, one of the, my most favorite suttas I've been hanging out a lot with recently, this last year or so, contemplating is a sutta called the Mula Sutta. Mula, M-U-L-A, Root Sutta. Which begins with the phrase that upon desire, um, she begins with rooted in desire, rooted, Mula, rooted in desire, are all things. Or wherever wherever our, our interest goes, wherever we are moved to, upon that, then the experience of our world appears. And born of attention are all things. Whatever we give attention to, that becomes our world. Which is a very interesting and powerful teaching to contemplate. Because we think of the world is out there somewhere. But this is talking about the world we experience is born of where we take our attention. So if we take our attention, you know, again and again, if our attention goes to our worries and anxieties, that becomes the shape of our world, the shape of ourself, the shape of our reactivity. If again and again our attention goes to what could be in the future, what might be in the future, what we want. There can be some skill in that, but there can also be a a sort of a habitual way that that the mind can go in that direction that is born not so much of skill, but of anxiety or fear or proliferation. And then we are bound to that world. Or if the mind goes into, again and again, into realms of what has gone before, and the mind will, it will hover into these places and you know that's how it moves but in this training of bringing attention, training attention, bringing our world to here. And we go here, it's pretty boring. There's <laughs> nothing much here. You know, I'm, I'm me, bring the world to me. It's, you know, the person up there or someone else is more interesting. The person in the magazine. So this, this viveka, vitaka, again and again, 
bringing attention here and then this vichara, this second jhana factor is really receiving. The more we can be receptive to our experience rather than judging our experience or dismissing our experience. But really being receptive to, as we bring attention, receptive, receive. How is it as we hear? And then step by step, the the Buddha gives us a little tool to help with. It's actually very profound. It's actually what he used as a meditation on his night of awakening. So profound. Something we miss that we think is really boring, (laughs) which is our breath. It is actually very mysterious, actually, don't you think? So to be with the breath, this is the training to support this being here, being present, the utter simplicity of that, supported by, as the Buddha says, to be with, as Kirisara was saying also this morning, first of all with the long breath. Really feeling the fullness of the breath. We can accentuate the breath. The long breath is to track the whole of the pathway of the breath. If you can't feel the breath, you can deliberately breathe a few times a bit more fully, a bit more slowly, a bit more deeply. And if you, if you do that, you really, it's actually very, can become quite ecstatic, actually. In a quiet, gentle Buddhist kind of a way. <laughs> <laughs> Could be more, maybe. <laughs> Break out of the Buddhist mold. But, but if you say here, you know, explore, <laughs> explore that from time to time. You think it's not that interesting here. You really feel the breath. Feel the breath energy suffusing the whole body. Taking this breath down into the soles of your feet. Feel the breath energy suffusing the cells of your body. Breathing in, and then breathing out. As you breathe out, lengthen the out breath, the long breath. Really experience this long breath for a while. Breathing out, softening, relaxing down through the body. Releasing some of the stress that the body picks up in its journeys through the world. Breathing down into the belly. Really feel that breath filling the lungs. And breathing out, softening through the body. This is very intimate. This is very, very intimate. In in in, uh, in Zulu, they call the breath moya, moya, which means spirit, as in many languages, because it has both this sense of that which is both intimate and impersonal, a bit like the spirit. A bit like the deepest reality of our being. Something fundamental, fundamentally intimate. Unknowable, present, and yet impersonal. We can't own it, we can't name it, we can't capture it, we can't even see it. Unless on a cold day when we breathe out we see frosty breath. So this breath... This breath, having a relationship, coming into a relationship with our breath. And we'll, we'll, we'll slide off that because of our patterns, because the mind will run out, because it's not easy to be here, because the body isn't 
a place we've found comfort within. But we're training, remember, a little by little with this compassion, with this patience, with this again and again receiving how we actually are and working from there. And one, once again, taking another long breath, tracking the whole pathway of the breath so we really feel the sensations of the breath. And this begins to get us the flavor of this as we do this. It's not that we go out and gather the energy of the mind, body, heart. But as we're more and more present, the energies of mind, body, and heart begin to gather organically by themselves according to the Dharma. So very simple. This practice that we're given to cultivate the samadhi. It's not easy because another great teacher from Thailand, Ajahn Tate, he said it's a bit like you're trying to, if you're building a bridge over a river, a fast-flowing river, and you want to plunge the support for that bridge through the river. It's not so easy to do that. Because the river, the currents of the river are so fast. In the same way, it's an analogy for the path crossing the river, the river of suffering. The river that where we flow out into the 10,000 things, get lost, lose our home, lose our heart. In the same way, this samadhi is plunging this present moment attentiveness within body and breath through the currents of the mind. But we can, little by little, again and again, again and again. So this is part of the practice. This is constant remembering, returning, which is the meaning of this word sati, mindfulness. And then sometimes the breath will be what's called short breath, very subtle. We won't be following the whole pathway of the breath. We just feel the breath energy. We might feel it as breath. We might feel it as vibration, subtle energy within the body. Everything, even sound, is part of the breath energy. It's that vayodatta, that which is moving. So sound, we can also be part of the breath. Vibration within the body, sensation within the body. And sometimes there might be this real subtle sense of gatheredness. And then the attention just falls and rests with a subtle sensation, subtle breath, short breath. So I'd really like to encourage you to, uh, and all of us, myself included, to continue with this beautiful practice, this simple practice, this immediate practice of the path of awakening that the Buddha laid out, and the foundations, the first training of sati, gathering, of remembering, of being present, of being here.
moments of just withdrawing the mind from its preoccupations, wherever it tends to go, particularly when it goes to those places of worry, grief, lamentation, disappointment, upset, by reminding this vitaka, reminding, say, how is it now? Being here now, come to the breath now. Whatever phrase, buddho, kuan yin, whatever phrase helps, whatever thought form helps to return attention, coming into relationship with our experience now. And then as the Buddha encouraged us to, as we come into relationship with our experience of the body, to feel into the breath. Breathing in, breathing out. Calming the body, breathing in, breathing out. As the Buddha said, to experience the whole body. Sabakai patisangwedi, which means to be with the body, feeling with the body, experiencing the body. There's this sense, not observing the body from some distant place, but being within the body, experiencing the body or feeling the body fully. This is the training of the first foundation of mindfulness. Breathing in, breathing out, calming. Not only body, physical body, but the mental body, the heart body. Calming, stabilizing, steadying, using the breath experiencing fully, more and more fully, entering and feeling within the body. This is our ground. This is our touching the earth. This is the foundation for our practice. And also this is the practice that will deepen us into the process of awakening. If we actually, as we actually um, gain skill in this practice of samadhi, developing this practice of samadhi, it will give us an inner refuge. One of the fruits of this practice is to have an abiding that's independent from the circumstances of the world. Of course we'll be affected by the world, we always will be. But what's so important for us now, particularly in the times that we live in, is to have a refuge. To know not just as an ideal, but as a practice. So in in the face of intensity, in the face of uncertainty, in the face of the shifting, crumbling structures that we're in the midst of, where we don't really know what is going to happen. We need to know how to keep sane. We need to know how to return to this fundamental sanity of presence. And even in the midst of our, what we might consider very ordinary, very nothing much, to touch the ground of our being, to touch the ground of the earth, to touch the ground of our body, through this practice of presence, begins to open the door to the mysterious way of awakening. So breath by breath, moment by moment, continuing this graduated teaching of the Buddha. Together.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.